calling all lovers of mystery and fans of a good story. If you haven't already heard me talk about June's journey, you're in for a treat. It's time to don your detective hat in this free hidden object mobile game that delves into the captivating journey of June Parker, a self-proclaimed detective on a quest to unravel the mystery surrounding her sister's untimely death. In June's journey, you get to play as June, deciphering clues and unveiling secret plots within thousands of beautifully illustrated scenes. And did I mention it's set in the glitzy 1920s? New chapters are added weekly, so you will never run out of new thrills to uncover, and you can also personalize and decorate your very own Orchid Island where the story takes place. How sharp are your detective skills? Find out when you download June's Journey on your Android or iOS device, or play online via Facebook games. Your detective journey awaits. Every five minutes, someone dies while waiting for a compatible donor heart, liver, or kidney. On a remote island in Lake Superior, a team of geneticists strive to engineer an animal with human-compatible organs, thereby saving millions of lives. But these ancestors are not the docile herd animals they envision. Instead, the project spawns something big, something evil, something hungry. Ancestor by number one New York Times bestselling novelist Scott Sigler is available for free on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello and welcome to the Drabblecast, episode 456. The Drabblecast is an audio fiction magazine that brings strange stories by strange authors to strange listeners, such as yourself. I'm your host, Norm Sherman. Great show for you folks this week. We've got a Drabblecast original queued up for you about the road less traveled and the truth, or lack thereof, behind our decisions. We bring you Is This a Plate by Bob McHugh. Bob is a Boston-based writer and father of two. He's immensely grateful to be both those things. He's the semi-proud recipient of an MFA in creative writing from Emerson College. His work has appeared in Daily Science Fiction, Escape Pod, and several anthologies. Follow him at Sentient Letter on Twitter. The story is produced by Drabblecast guest producer Adam Pratt, and it's narrated by Dominic Rabrin. Dom's an artist, writer, and general maker of things. He lives and works in the D.C. area, and is currently working on finding connections between Haitian voodoo and physics. Oh, snap! Hey, keep me in the loop with those findings when you find them, huh? Because, I don't know, I just crave power and need to wield me some of wherever that's going, okay? I need it. Music's by Kevin McLeod of Incompetech and Jason Shaw of Audionautics. So without further ado, we bring you Is This a Plate by Bob McHugh. Is This a Plate? By Bob McHugh Read by Dominic Rabrun You've never made an ogre cry before. It feels so much worse than you expected. Oh well, you're almost there. It will have all been worth it, right? You don't have to lie to yourself for long. Just ahead are two identical guards and a large oak sign with beautiful calligraphy. 
Beyond this point, two paths lie. One you live, one you die. Ask one question, yes or no, to determine the road to go. But be warned, there's more still. One is honest, one speaks swill. You struggle with some of the forced rhymes, but you get the gist. There are two paths, one good and one bad. You get to ask one question to each guard. One always tells the truth. One always lies. You've sacrificed companions and neglected loved ones. You've endured pain, boredom, and hunger. Locals have shared hushed tales of Zanzibar's dark magic. This is the best he could do? What is this riddle supposed to accomplish? If left a chance, you'd have a 50% chance of success. That's not a great defense system. But that's irrelevant because everyone knows this old chestnut. You don't need to be clever. You just need to have spent an hour with a drunk troll. You think about all the effort this alleged mastermind expended to make this happen. He employs at least two guards around the clock and he trained and onboarded them. You picture him writing the sign, counting the syllables, and struggling to find a rhyme for swill. It makes you want to weep. You glance again at the paths. It hasn't rained in weeks. You can see the footprints from previous adventurers down the path on the right. The trail on the left is spotless. You feel embarrassed for everyone involved. You walk down the path on the right, ignoring both guards. Wait, says one of the guards. They're incredibly attractive. Were you planning on asking a question? Do you think I'm cute? You ask. God, you're insecure. You sell it like you're a confident scamp flirting with the enemy, but you worry that they can see right through you. The opportunity to seek validation from a stranger is too alluring to resist. You slow your pace to a trudge so you can hear their responses. Yes, says one. No, says the other. That wasn't helpful. Either they both think you're attractive or neither does. Figuring this out is more critical than saving King Glacius or whatever his name is. You backpedal a few steps. Hey, me again. This is clearly the correct path. I've solved the puzzle. So, can I ask you another question? No response. They won't even look at you. Jerks. You consider standing there until the next traveler comes. It might be hours. You don't want this to be the story everyone tells about your heroics in Little Dinksville. You reluctantly move on. The rest of the journey is a bore. You arrive at Zanzibar's secret hideout to find him alone on an expensive throne. He has probably been waiting all day for you. He makes you sad. He can't be more than a couple hundred years old. A total baby. His beard isn't even gray and it has patches everywhere. 
We aren't so different, you and I, he says. You decide not to wait for him to say anything else before you cut his head off. You begin your journey home, backtracking your steps. Your map pulsates to tell you there is a quicker route, but you don't care. You happen to find yourself back at the paths with the two guards. What a coincidence. Last time I was here, I asked if you thought I was cute. Which one of you said yes? You ask. Me, says one. Me, says the other. Darn, you forgot again. Zanzibar is very dead. You can stop with the routine. You pull his head out of your knapsack and present it to them. Other heroes think you are weird for doing this, but it is more useful than they realize. You get no response. Okay, fine, you say. Well, I'm starving. I'm going to go eat at the Greasy Gremlin. If free dinner with a possibly attractive hero is your thing, meet me at 7 o'clock. You arrive at the Greasy Gremlin at 7.05. You spot one of the guards sitting at a table with a glass of water. The two of you make formal introductions. Their name is Alex. Do you drink? You ask. Are you buying? They respond. You order a bottle of wine for the table. You hoped it would be on the house because you saved this village from extinction, but they don't seem to know who you are. You consider showing the waitstaff Zanzibar's head, but decide against it. You've already pulled that move once in front of your date. You don't want them to think it's your thing. When the wine arrives, you reach down your glasses. This night might be alright. I have to know, were you the one who always tells the truth? You ask. You're sure you want to know? Did they just answer your question with a question? Is this guard still doing the bit? This is probably a stupid question, you say. But there was no magic spell or anything, right? That's just theater. Zanzibar was paying you or torturing you or whatever to do that yes-no stuff? No. Zanzibar was deceptively powerful. He conjured up a spell over my twin, Sam, and me. He was also the only person who could remove it, so thanks for that. You didn't expect that response. If Alex is telling the truth, the spell is still active. Of course... They could be lying. But why are they lying if there isn't an enchantment? You re-examine their response. It's possible that Alex is lying in each statement, but still telling the truth about the spell. Or they're messing with you. Or they're insane. Eh, you can work with any of those. You've been in a bit of a dry spell lately. Are you messing with me? You ask. You've always been direct. No, they say. That was a stupid question. Their answer would only ever be no. 
Look, I want to learn about your mother and your dreams and all that. I do, you say. But this is too interesting. Do you mind if we dive into this some more? I don't mind at all, Alex says. Great. Well, how does one become a riddle guard for an evil wizard? My twin Sam was drinking at our favorite haunt when a guy by the name of Zanzibar hobbles in. They chat. Sam mentions me. Zanzibar tells Sam he has the perfect job for twins. Next thing I know, Sam and I have the easiest gig of our lives. That's fascinating, you say. This is a tremendous compliment coming from you. Not much has captured your imagination lately. Sometimes you'll get halfway through a sandwich, realize you haven't savored a bite, and panic that maybe you don't enjoy anything anymore. Tell me, are you the one who always tells the truth? I am, Alex says with a wink. Wait, you winked. Why did you wink? You ask. You are eating this up. You're a smart person. By the time this dinner is over, I'm sure you'll figure it out. But can I ask you a question? Are you kind of enjoying this? The mystery of it all? You are, and say as much. I can truthfully say that I am. I worked that job for six years, and I never fooled anyone. But without my twin Sam here, I have some mystery. I'm game. I'm going to act under the assumption that you're the honest one, but be warned. I'll be using my keen powers of deduction to determine if you're full of it. Ask away. So, how does it work? What happens if you lie? Or if your twin tells the truth? Do you turn into stone or something? I physically can't say something untrue. If I try to tell a lie... My lips won't cooperate, or I'll automatically qualify it so that it becomes the truth. Same with Sam for lies. What counts as a lie? You ask. What if you're wrong? Is that a lie? I can say all kinds of incorrect things as long as I believe what I say. They take a sip of their wine. It's their fourth glass. I could go on all night but I imagine I'm boring you. No, I'm not bored at all, you say. It's the truth. You're usually honest with others. You save the lies for yourself. Alex walks you through the minutia of honesty. Questions and commands that exist outside the binary of truth are fair game. Expressions and idioms are honest as long as they communicate their intended message. Eventually, this does get boring. You change the subject. Can you settle this for me? Is this a plate? You are holding your plate. Wait, are you sincerely trying to trip me up by asking me if that is a plate? Do you want me to answer that? Uh, You thought you were being clever. Avoiding the question? You say... I'll be honest with you because I have to be. I'm attractive, but I'm not that attractive. 
you're an incredible hero who gets bored easily. My fear is, the moment I definitively crush this mystery, you'll move on. And I don't want that because I like you. That sounds honest, but is it? Alex is a knockout, but it's plausible that a lowly guard working for an evil wizard doesn't have the best self-esteem. You agree with their assessment of you, but that doesn't mean that they believe it. You are an incredible hero. That's a fact. But Alex may think you're an asshole. They were working for an evil wizard whom you just decapitated. I'm going to put my cards on the table, you say. You have me pegged. But I need to get something straight. Go for it, Alex says. I can't say for sure if you are telling the truth. And we've established that we're both into that. But I need an honest answer to one question. Alex nods to indicate they understand where you're heading. Well, let me ask then. Would you like to go back to my place and screw me? You were going to ask if they wanted to split dessert, but you like Alex's question much better. Uh, check please. You've been together for two weeks. You still don't know. You should probably know by now. It's weird that you don't know. But things are great. Alex tells you you're the best lover they've ever had. Most of your lovers tell you this, and you've had a lot of them. Either you're a great lover, or everyone has been lying to you. Deep down, you recognize that both options are plausible. You're cuddling on the couch together, as you often do. Neither of you has said anything for a few minutes. You fake a yawn, stretch out your arms, and remove a cup from the table. I've been meaning to ask you, you say. Is this a plate? You do this often. Too often. The question is always the same, but the object changes. You package it as a light-hearted bit deadpan facial expressions and all but there's an underlying tension you want to know and you don't want to know do you want to know Alex asks you think you do Alex tells you that you will get bored if you know the truth but is that true maybe Alex is the one who will get bored Perhaps this has gone on for too long, and they're afraid to stop now. I guess not, you say. You don't know if you're lying. It's been three months. Things are fine. You're sometimes out for a week at a time on a quest. This is a source of conflict in most of your relationships, but Alex doesn't mind. You still don't know. It is insane that you don't know. It will be so easy for you to find out. You don't want to find out. But you want to find out. You still do your plate bit, but it isn't cute anymore. Maybe it was never cute. The next time you ask if your plate is a plate, Alex only responds with a sigh. I think it's time, you say. I need to know. 
I don't know about you, but I enjoy what we have together. I'm definitely not staying in this relationship because I'm afraid of being alone. That sounded oddly specific. Are you trying to tell me something? You ask. What? Alex says with feigned confusion. That just sounded insincere. People only qualify a statement with definitely when they mean the opposite. The fact that I can say it should tell you everything that you need to know. Alex sounds annoyed. I can't say it if I don't mean it. Unless you can only say the things you don't mean. You correct. Alex picks up a plate. Ask me. Just ask me already. You want to ask, but your lips won't budge. Why are you like this? You're at the market, picking up ingredients for a romantic plum stew recipe from your time on the Zutoli Island. You love food that sounds wretched but tastes delicious. Sam is examining some unripe avocados. You like that you can immediately recognize the difference between the twins now. It's the first time you've seen Sam since your quest to save King uh, Glacius or whatever his name was. You should greet them with a clever introduction. Hi, Sam, you say. My name's not Sam, they say. Sam, you repeat. It's me, dashing hero, dating your twin. Ring a bell? I know who you are, idiot. My name isn't Sam. Interesting, you say to yourself. Very interesting indeed. Honey, I ran into Sam, you say when you arrive home. Oh, did you? Alex asks. Yeah, and they told me their name wasn't Sam. Oh, Alex says. They pause for a few seconds. Oh. This is good news, you say. The mystery is over. Sam is the liar. And I'm still invested in this relationship. We can cut the charade. I love you, you say. Because that's what you've determined and that's how you feel, right? You figured it out, says Alex. You've always been so clever. I'm so relieved. I don't need to keep this up anymore. I love you too. They give you a warm hug. I need to run an errand before dinner, but I'll be right back. They pick something up as they head out the door. By the way, this is not a fucking plate. It is the answer you expected. our story hope you enjoyed it the minutia of honesty really makes you think but not overthink i don't know am i overthinking it no i think that's a reasonable amount of thinking to think about the thing that i mean it really makes you do it so right Ugh, why am i this way i don't know friends why are we anything 
Anyways, the travel cash is brought to you with a Creative Commons attribution non-commercial no derivatives license, which means don't change it, don't sell it, but feel free to share it all you like. Tell a friend, write us a review on iTunes, spread the weird. If you would like to help the travel cast out to keep her going, we do rely on it after all. You can join our Patreon community at patreon.com slash travelcast. You got tears, you got extras, you got our deepest gratitude for helping invest in our little mission to make the world better by making it weirder. Patreon.com forward slash travelcast. Special thanks to our episode artist this week, Travelcast art director Bo Kyer. Bo is excited to spread the weird about the Travelcast quarterly magazine Tentaculum, which y'all in the inner chalky ruined circle have already seen. Bo encourages all artistically inclined fans to reach. He adds, having felt the dark seduction of blending mid-journey generated art, see our last couple episodes, he's decided it's humans only for cover contributions here forward, and has updated our submissions terms accordingly. Sorry to those of Deep One Heritage currently flailing their gill slits in an aggression display, pencil clutching in mucus bubbled hands. Humans only. Our program was brought to you by Cameron Howard, Bo Kyer, Tom Baker, Dave Ballard, Bart Epstein, Sean L. Gentry, Jocelyn Gerwig, Melissa Knight, Audrey Kozial, Ashley Moon, Nicole Neely, Joseph Beatrice, Wyatt Scott, Charity Helton, Adam Pratt, A Stick of Lipstick, Wait, No Earwax, and yours truly, Norm Sherman. Reminding you, it's a statement, not a fact. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Burntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Burntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available.